0: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michaels Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com.
1: And welcome to Overnight America. Tonight, a couple hours together, we'll have some fun. It's the first show of the weekend. I'm going to try to switch some things up with our friend Johnny Rabbit in the next segment. We haven't heard from him in a little while, so it'll be fun to catch up and see how he's been doing. And of course, we'll connect with Canada in the next hour, something we do on a weekly basis. Always look forward to that. You know, I was going to talk about Larry King in the first segment, which we may do or may not do. I wanted to just update you on two things. One, I felt like a hot shot uh, over the weekend because I bought a new coffee machine. And with this new coffee machine, I feel like I'm on top of the world. It's the most money I probably have ever spent on a coffee machine in my entire life. And it's amazing how one household purchase could make you feel like you're on top of the world. It is such a strange thing. One new thing in the house will just make you feel like you're king of the world and our coffee machine we use the keurig cups so it's one of those things where you buy the little cups and you put it in to the little dispenser and you know crank it down it locks in water goes through it you know bruise the coffee for an individual cup and my wife and i prefer because we drink coffee at different times she drinks it in the morning i drink it at night and even then we found ourselves you know not drinking a full pot by ourselves so we opted for the keurig and that was fine so our machine broke and it turns out the machines are likely to break a lot they just seem to do that and i did everything i could to try to fix it i tried to troubleshoot it and sorry it said toss me in the trash because this is where i'm going you know it i know it might as well not hold on to me longer than you need to And I started to shop and I decided to buy a nice coffee machine. It's probably the nicest one I've ever bought. It has all kinds of different features. It's got the water reservoir. It's got the you can you can put the cake cup in, you can get the brew cup, you can do the espresso, it's got the little steam thing on the side, it's got it all. And I put it up on the counter today and I'm looking at it, thinking to myself, What am I gonna do with this beast? I can't wait to give it a try. And that's how my weekend went. And I wasn't going to start the show talking about food, but then I saw this one story pop up and it's the first I've seen of it. And I'm very excited to let you know that there's going to be a new Ghostbuster cereal hitting the shelves here pretty soon. Can I just say it's amazing how certain things could take you back to the day. And Ghostbuster cereal for me is visiting family members in New Jersey. Once a year, my family would drive from Michigan to New Jersey and we'd visit the grandma out there and grandma would always buy me this ghostbuster cereal. And when we were there, it's the only time I ever got it. I don't ever remember my parents buying this stuff for me. Uh, you were allowed to pick cereal once a year and it was on your birthday. That's it. My parents would only give me the cereal I wanted on my birthday. And I always got things like crackling Bran Cause I'm the only one that would eat that stuff. We would drive to New Jersey. I would eat this cereal. I would enjoy it because every morning that's what I got. You, you sit in the house. The house had a certain smell to it. It had a certain feel to it. It's nice when you wake up in someone else's house and, you know, they can, they'll make you breakfast and they'll do all this stuff. But even if it is just cereal, you felt special. And I would sit there and eat it. And I'm thinking when this thing gets onto the shelf, I'm going to have to buy it. I mean, I will run out to the store. It'll be like Black Friday and they're waiting for a big screen TV that's 50 bucks off or whatever. And I'll be in line. And they'll say, what are you doing out here? We don't, I'll say, I just want the Ghostbusters, man. Show me where they're at. And I'll run to that cereal aisle and I'll find it. I'll bring it home, pour a bowl with some milk. I'll sit down. And if it tastes the same way, I remember, I'm going to have to ask my family, could you give me a moment alone, please? (laughs) Because I'll sit there and I'll cry into my cereal. I've gotten soft. I've gotten really soft. This happened to me only one other time recently when we went to Six Flags here in St. Louis for, I think it was my first visit there, actually. So we got off of the giant Ferris wheel, and they force you to go through the area so you can, like, buy souvenirs. It's like a little, just a little standalone shop. And I walked in there, and it smelled exactly like something from my childhood. It, my, my parents had this small cabin on a slab, one room, It had a toilet, and there wasn't much else to it. Kerosene tank on the outside, and it was... I mean, at winter, it was so cold, so hot during the summer. But it was kind of a cool thing that, you know, we had this little place. My parents owned it forever. It was all beat up and whatever. But it smelled exactly... That one souvenir shop smelled exactly like the cabin. And I I told my wife, I just need to stand here for a moment. I don't want to move. And I, I started crying inside of that. That is what I'm expecting to happen, either that or the Ghostbuster cereal is really going to let me down. And if it does let me down, I'll let you know, but it does look pretty good. I can't wait to try it. It's to tie into the movie that's coming out. So apparently the movie was going to come out last year, but because of the virus, they pushed it back. And whenever that happens, and apparently the Ghostbuster movie is going to be the summer of this year. It made me wonder, did they just hold on to the cereal for a year? Are you going to get a year old cereal that they were planning on giving out last year? and instead distribute it this year. Is that what's going to happen? For this and all other serial tips, you've come to the right radio show. So Johnny Rabbit, uh, we're going to check in with him, see what he's up to in the next segment. And I'm also going to talk just a little bit about what's going on with the virus, some other headlines that are swirling around it. And I'll tell you, Jane Duker is on fire right now on Twitter. I'll read a couple of those coming up too. This is Overnight America KMOX. Listening to
0: KMOX has never been easier.
1: Siri, play KMOX. And joining us now is someone that many people miss on this radio station. I don't know how many people call me and say, where's Johnny Rabbit? I miss Johnny Rabbit. How are you?
2: Oh, that's great. Well, thank those people for me, Ryan. Thank you. And I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm just waiting for the word when to go ahead and that i be able to come back into the station. The show I do is just too complicated to do from home because all of the CDs I'd have to play and all of this stuff and, Uh, But it doesn't make any sense to do all of that work. So they're going to wait till we can get back in the studio. And who knows when that will be? I don't think anybody really knows. But I am doing wonderfully. I am very busy with programs, presentations. I just finished one uh, for uh, Oasis called The Saga of Gaslight Square, which is – they said this is one of their most requested programs. They wanted to hear – people love to hear about Gaslight Square, which is gone. It wasn't there. Actually, it's been gone. Next year, it'll be 50 years since uh, the final place really closed, O'Connell's Pub, and moved on to Shaw and King's Highway. So that's the kind of stuff I'm doing. I'm working on other shows for the History Museum. One on 200 years of transportation in the state of Missouri for the Missouri Bicentennial. Uh, later on, let's see. Before that, March 20. I'm, excuse me, February 24th for Oasis. I'm doing one called Landmarks. Oh. and lore of St. Louis. So that, that, that keeps me all, keeps me very busy. And fortunately, I've collected a lot of materials over the years, so I don't have to get out and go places to get this, because most of the libraries where I would do this research are not available or only on a limited basis. Mm-hmm. So I don't really go anywhere. I just stay home.
1: Well, I was um, I was thinking about you the other day because when I – here, classic radio, I think, man, I really missed out on some awesome years. And you have so much great history in radio and the things that you've been able to do through your career. And I know this one was before your time, but uh, I was listening to an old CBS radio theater. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Do you remember those? Oh, sure. Oh. I
2: do it very well.
1: Yeah, I they, they started, they rebooted it a few times, actually. And then yeah. I was listening to some of the original ones from the 40s.
2: Yep. Those were the best ones. They got pretty canned sounding toward the end. Bill Bailey, I think, was the last one to do it. But they had like five different uh, Johnny Dollars on that program. It wasn't the, the very end, but they never would uh, change. They all really kind of sounded the same, yeah. with their voice quality and so on. Um, he was an insurance investigator. insurance <laughs> With an action-packed
1: uh, expense account. Yeah, action-packed.
2: <laughs> and then it got that originally uh, was a half-hour show. Then it uh, became, a, toward the end, it was a serialization. It was a 15-minute show five nights a week.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really and amazing, the, but that the, was, the, the the effort and the, the last uh, one. productions and everything that were put into it. It's oh such an amazing production.
2: Yeah, and that was the last of that type of a mystery detective program on network radio that was the end of the line for that type of network radio show
1: really amazing and you know looking at djs in general you were telling me that and i didn't realize this in the radio not the radio the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland ohio there's two st louis djs representing the area in that hall of fame
2: yeah, at the International Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I know you've been there, and it's really a great place, a wonderful place. Uh, bigger than most people think. A lot of people say, eh, it's not going to be that big, but it is. It's big and it's growing all the time. And when they inducted the disc jockey section, uh, I was one of the two for St. Louis, uh-huh. and Ron Lundy was the other. We are the two representing St. Louis. And as far as the, the beginning of rock and roll, uh, we had that honor, and we were voted in. I don't know who did the voting, but I, I thank the people for doing it. Um, the person that um, let them know that I should be one that would be going in was Max Floyd. He's was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for his work in Denver, though much of his later work was in Kansas City. And that's, that's how it happened. I just got a call one day, and they said, you're going to be uh, one of the two inductees. And I think they had them for every major city. They've done two people.
1: Yeah. I and remember I that thought, section because, you know, I came from the Detroit area, so I only paid attention sure. to that. I didn't look at the other cities. But that is such a cool thing. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It was really great. And then later on, I, I said, you know, well, um, how long will it be? They said, forever. <laughs> we can't change history. Yeah. This is <laughs> They're not going to be any different people. Now, Ron Lundy, he was a terrific disc jockey. He's passed away on his um, pretty big estate in Mississippi few years ago but he was a great dj very funny he was on wil here in the afternoon when it was a top 40 station and he really had his bigger successes at wabc in new york city uh but his he was right at the start of the rock and roll era in st louis
1: that is so neat i love hearing things like that in the the last time i was at the rock and roll hall of fame it's been a long time but there's a few different exhibits i remember going through they had Johnny Cash's tour bus out front and if you bought a ticket to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you showed your ticket on the outside and then they let you into the tour bus it was like two people at a time or something so you just kind of oh, like wait. you know they had the, the attendant that was sitting where the driver would sit and I remember oh. you would go through and towards the back there was this little mini office in the tour bus close to where the back bedroom is on pretty much every tour bus and on it was this wooden butcher block table where apparently that was where Johnny Cash would work and it was wood he pulled from Ulysses S. Grant it was somehow owned by him as a desk and he refitted it into his uh his tour bus
2: So, a a good St. Louis connection. Yeah.
1: What a thing to do. I guess when you have the money, you have the availability to do things like that. That's the way to spend (laughs) it, I guess. That's it.
2: Uh, Who's in that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for Detroit?
1: Well, I only remember one of them. It was Arthur Penhowell, who is a longtime rock disc jockey in Detroit. And he had Mm -hmm. this really deep voice. I don't know if he sounds or that name sounds familiar at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And he always did this thing, and he had this growl to him. And he's not working anymore. He's retired. And he is, I think, down in Hawaii, if I remember correctly. But, oh. yeah, he was there forever. And he just had one of the most distinct voices. If you were to hear him, you would know immediately, wow, that's yep. you, don't, you, yeah, you don't hear him I like understand. that. And there's all kinds of different people that have that uniqueness to them. You were also telling me about oh, yeah. someone you knew that passed away just a week ago.
2: Yeah, John Lutz, a really good, really good mystery writer of uh, of detective stories, and I don't even know how many books he wrote. I think about thirty. They were internationally sold. That's not the title of the book, is is different than the movie, but a movie was made from one of his books called Single White Female. Hmm. Uh, about a person in New York City needing a roommate and got a roommate that didn't turn out to be the best deal. A really scary book. Many of his books were set in St. Louis. He had different uh, detectives, so to speak, private eyes that he would do. Uh, This first one, or the one in St. Louis, which I think it was his first private eye, was called um, ALO Nudger, A-L-O Nudger. And he lived above a donut shop in downtown Maplewood.
1: Oh, nice. And
2: everything was set in St. Louis. Uh, and it was just that uh, he even mentioned me in one of the books when I was a columnist for the Globe Democrat. And I know he mentioned Bill McClellan in another book. So I really tied into St. Louis. and then But he did other series, and he did hundreds of short stories. He was really a, a, an excellent writer, and not too many mystery writers from St. Louis. So this was his home for many years. He had moved on to Florida in the last few years.
1: Yeah, it looks like he passed on January 9th, and so many different awards, too. I'm looking at online uh, some of the awards he received over the years, 80s and 90s, well-received. That's hard to write a book, mystery books, uh, detective work, anything like that. It's not easy, let alone dozens of books. (laughs) That's amazing.
2: Right, dozens. It it is hard. A lot of people think, oh, you write a book. That's going to take a week, two month, maybe. (laughs) It could be, well— and it's going to take a lot longer than that. It's a full-time job and doing a lot of research. And he was the kind of guy that was really good at it. So I certainly would be remembered as the best mystery writer from St. Louis, detective story writer.
1: Oh, sure. I, I recognize that it is a difficult thing to do. And sometimes people are like that with the radio industry. And they talk about, oh, I would love to do this. I would love to do this. And I mentioned to them, okay, this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to come up with something and talk about it for 10 minutes straight make it interesting (laughs) for 10 minutes straight and if if you put them on the spot oh i can do that they normally go about 90 seconds at the most and then realize it's harder than they think now writing now imagine putting a full book together how long that would take to make something interesting that other people would want to read in you as a writer i mean you you write you uh were a columnist and you wrote for the papers but on top of that you put all these presentations together every month you know how much work it takes to put something like that together
2: Oh, it's tremendous, a <laughs> tremendous amount of work. I had a call and literally today from a friend, Up a book for $2 from the half-price bookstore in University City, and I can't even remember the name of the book at this point, uh, but it set in St. Louis, and she said it doesn't seem real. Well, some of it seemed real, and some of it was fake, and it was sort of a combination of putting in actual things that happened or places, and then other things that just weren't even real, names that weren't real, locations and things. And, and she said, I'm just going to throw the book away. I, it's, I don't want to read something that's fake. She would have loved the book had it been really about St. Louis. So that, that's another thing. You know, you can fabricate a story. But once you really start doing something like in our presentations that we do, they better be accurate about St. Louis. I don't want to put in some name that if somebody didn't exist, you know, like if it were Gaslight Square and you were talking about Singleton Palmer or Jules Blattner or those people, and throw in some name that wasn't there. Somebody would catch that and know it would just it would take away the realistic to feel to it all.
1: Oh, it does. And I notice sometimes, um, do you know the term paper towns? No. Oh, so the idea of a paper town is that when these map companies would build these very elaborate maps of states and cities and the entire United States or whatever it is, they would once in a while put in a fake town just so if someone were to copy their work, they'd be able to sue them to say, see, we put in this fake town that doesn't exist. That's how we know you copied from us. And they would, they would do this so it was just a town on paper. And I know uh-huh. some people do things like that just to see if people rip them off. They'll do, like, articles online, or if they do, like, a a video online or some sort of presentation, they'll add just a small little thing that doesn't mean anything, but they'll know if someone ripped them off, because if they hear it again, they'll be able to go back to, hey, I'm the originator of that false fact.
2: Right. uh, People have done that a lot with trivia books. Hmm.
1: Really? Uh, That's the uh, worst place to do it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you put in some little trivia thing, and uh, quite a few people have done that. Fred Wirth uh, did a whole lot of trivia books, uh, and he always had one thing in each book that wasn't real for that very, very reason. So then he could have a suit. Yeah. I don't know if he ever sued anybody or not. I don't know whatever happened with that. Yeah. But his uh, co-writer in some of the books was on KMOX, David Strauss. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, he was uh, very popular with Jim White's program.
2: Sure. Yeah. And they did a, a Sunday night uh, trivia show for quite a while. I think uh, I, so, Yeah, that's...
1: I, I think I've think i heard some of a show like that was accidentally recorded. Only once have I heard that. And it's very difficult to find any Jim White no. recorded material. But one of the Halloween specials where they were at the Lemp Mansion, um, it took some time for Jim White and the crew to get back to the studio. So they started playing some best of, which was a trivia uh, portion of the show so that was the only time oh. by accident i was able to catch some of that segment
2: oh my gosh that's <laughs> something they were good it's great trivia shows are always fun trivia nights are, are a heck of a lot of fun but of course there are no trivia nights going on today
1: no not really we, we
2: did my first trivia night was in 1982 and i on it the idea came from australia the trivia nights are very big there And I thought this is something that's going to last a few months or a year, maybe. But that's one of the great fundraisers for organizations. Of course, not now, but when this pandemic is over, I'm sure we'll be going back to a lot of trivia nights, which are, again, not like writing a book, but you better be accurate on your trivia, because there's somebody there that knows everything.
1: Oh, of course. And to have a dispute at a trivia night, there's no fun in that. (laughs) No. <laughs> well, what are you, is there anything you're working on right now? Because I, I know that you're busy and you've been doing things, and you just had another presentation recently. What's what's the next thing you're working on?
2: Well, the next thing is uh, St. Louis Landmarks and Lure. I will show a couple of things. One of the pictures I was just looking at tonight that I'm going to uh, have to put on our PowerPoint is the runner-up to the Gateway Arch, For the National Riverfront Memorial, now the Gateway Arch Memorial, originally the Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson National uh, Memorial, which was totally different than the arch. Much, much different, much, much more like you would see in Washington, D.C. It's a very big panoramic view of that. And I'm going to have a picture of something that doesn't exist here yet. It's going to be a 60-foot replica of the Statue of Liberty, and it's going to be in Sauget, Illinois. So I'll have a picture of that, but I don't think it'll actually be up by the time I do this program on February 24th.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So we're finding landmarks and lore about people and stories about things like the Lavender Lady and who she was and uh, that 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 kind of stuff. And I'm also working on a book about the history of soda and ice cream in St. Louis, which oh, wouldn't see. that's not going to happen to, for several months.
1: Yeah. Well, with the Statue of Liberty, the only fun fact I know about that is when it first came over, it was copper. So it was the copper coloring. But once, you know, copper is oh, yeah. in the elements, it turns green. But people like the color. They left it that way, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, they
2: do. Sure. It looks great that way. <laughs> it's
1: how we remember so that's how the we kind of, it.
2: That's the stuff I'm working on. And what you, I'm, you, I don't even know how you can come up with all of the guests that you get. It's really amazing that you, that you can. It's uh it's that uh, you know, people don't realize behind the scenes things that go on, as you said before, of just finding the people that are going to uh, going to be able to tell a story and do a good job and interest the audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I would encourage anyone listening right now because of the way technology has changed. If you really have a passion for this sort of thing, the barrier into your recording yourself on your computer is low right now. I mean, you could buy some pretty low end microphones, but we're talking about you know, $20 microphones that you plug into your computer and it's enough to find software to record. And if you really wanted to try it, do it one day. And that's the thing. I think people will realize it does take a lot of time and talent in order to make it sound easy. And that's the thing that people don't realize. If if they're listening to it and it sounds easy, there's a lot of other effort and work that went into it to make it sound easy. And they'll find that out <laughs> firsthand. <laughs>
2: That's for sure. It's like finding the news, like the newsroom. Ah, they that, that, that that's not everything comes to them. You have to dig that news out. You have yeah. to go on, on like Kevin Colleen, go out and talk to people and meet people. And um, and again, I know it's definitely very hard to do under the current situation. It's yes. got to even be harder.
1: Kevin's so great at, at finding those things, but I, I won't hold you any longer. Johnny Rabbit, it's so fun to catch up with you. We're going to have to do this again soon.
2: Oh, I hope so. Anytime, Ryan. Thank you very much.
1: And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line on Overnight America KMOX. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. So good to hear from Johnny Rabbit. It was good to catch up with him. I enjoyed it. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it. So if you are someone that has been wondering or asking about him, well, there you go. You get it right there. We posted it up uh, later tonight in the podcast as well. So Sunday nights are a little bit slower, but I wanted to try to go over a couple of things that I noticed over the past couple of days. If you want to call in, you can at 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. So I should probably bring up our good old text messaging service. So I can see in your text messages that you bring in, you can actually use that. So I w- there's a few things I want to get to. And I saw this one story that's a little bit, you know, I was surprised by it, actually. And back in December, during the Trump administration, there was a policy that required insulin shots and, well, things that would be looked at as essential in a sense that we've already got too high drug prices to begin with. And there's a couple of things that the Trump administration did to try to combat that and one of them it was kind of a late grant but in top of everything else and everyone worrying about your job and you know how you're going to make up the money and sort of you know of course the pandemic but all of these other hardships that were hitting you saying okay so things that were essential like the insulin we got to find a way to get that price down so there was a it, during the Trump administration there was a drug policy that required community health centers to pass on their insulin discount savings to patients so they're trying to sell it at cost and that was pretty important because instead of them trying to profit off of it in a time like this they said okay you're not allowed to do that and the way that they would encourage the different places to do so would be to say okay either do it or you lose uh federal grants you wouldn't qualify for federal grants the money that you know we're paying you to be able to distribute this sort of thing or at least undercut some of it then let's try to see what it's uh if you want to do it alone you yeah, then you do it alone but hey i think you're going to want to make sure that you get the insulin to these people at a, a low rate so that is something that was put in a couple of months ago now we go back into the biden administration is looking at things a little bit differently the biden administration said well we're not going to use that rule uh we're going to delay that rule instead of trying to get the insulin out at that cost we're going to." Not allow that right now. In fact, uh, they don't have to comply. We can decide later they may need to. But they said what we're going to do is basically uh, anything that uh, Trump did is bad. Thus, Trump did it. So I guess you don't need cheap insulin because that's what Trump wanted. It's kind of a sad roundabout way of not looking at, you know, what did they say? You throw out the baby with the bathwater in this case. But it's not even that. It's it's like uh, they're just going straight to and saying, well, do they understand that insulin is a problem and trying to get this out is a problem? Why wouldn't you want to help aid that? And just on the very surface of it, think about the headlines that people are reading right now. Okay, Biden doesn't want you to get cheap insulin. In fact, he wants you to, and if they want to price gouge you, then by all means, under Biden, they want you to do that. Just for the headlines alone, why would you want to interfere with that, of all things? Here's another one, too. And we have been noticing that restaurant owners are a little bit upset with the idea of a $15 federal minimum wage. Bad for business is probably an understatement, all things considered. In Ohio restaurant owners have been taking it to the Biden administration saying that uh, this is going to kill us, man. They said, we're already struggling with the pandemic. You're going to put extra pressure on us on top of that. And then what happens? Are you going to try to restrict us even more? I think the idea of another nationwide lockdown is not only on the table, but it's something that is somewhat likely during a Biden administration. I think what's going to happen uh, is that they're going to say, OK, we have to do it. We'll just do it one more time. We'll try to get it out. And if you all get a shot, just go ahead and get that vaccine. Then we'll be able to all be on our way sooner than later. So let's try to encourage you to do that by another lockdown. Who knows? You might do something like that. And then what's going to happen to all those restaurant jobs? even like we've seen here in the county and some states are still under some pretty heavy restrictions when it comes to restaurants but even like in the county here when sam page just arbitrarily says okay uh, you know everything's looking so bad uh restaurants are spreading the virus so we're gonna have to close restaurants down you can still do curbside or whatever and then you have in the city that said no well actually the data doesn't show that at all in fact when you look at the data It's like 1% of coronavirus cases can be originated to restaurant dining, in dining. Like, no, that's okay. Do we want to cripple an industry for where 1% of the spread is coming down? Probably not a good idea. And they made a smart move in the city, not in the county. Well, some states are still like that. A lot of areas are still like that. Now, think about this. Now, these restaurants are doing everything they can. They're holding on to their last lifeline. They're trying everything they can. They're cutting hours. They're cutting services. They're doing everything they can to encourage curbside. And they're praying that some millionaire with a grant wants to come by and give them some money, like with the Barstool Fund or some of these other high profile people that are restaurant tours that have been creating these special funds for restaurants to stay open. Maybe they think, oh, maybe I can get a, a last ditch effort, maybe a little money from them to keep going. Now, add on top of that, we're going to make it a $15 an hour federal. <laughs> Federal minimum wage. Oh, forget about it. What do you think that a lot of those restaurant jobs, a lot of them are entry level. Uh, and, and that's where those lower wages originate for a lot of people. They, they find that first job or whatever it may be. And to say, well, McDonald's, you're going to have to start doing the the burger flipper gets 15 or whatever. Uh, what do you think is going to happen to these restaurants? What do you think is going to happen to these places that have such a low margin of uh, profit? So there's a few things. Well, prices will radically increase. They'll rely heavier on automation or whatnot. Maybe they'll try to get more robots in. Maybe they'll try to slow service. Maybe they'll just not be able to hire people. Maybe they'll say, okay, instead of doing just like they did with Obamacare, instead of you getting 40 hours a week, well, we're going to drop you down to 30 because we can't afford to get you the health insurance. Go ahead and get it on the system. But We're just going to we're just going to drop you down in hours to make up for it. You're going to just it's a it's a problem that we've seen many times in areas when they've experimented and tried this. And it seems to have failed. Very rarely does this ever work. And that's really the big problem with it. So um, that's where we're at right now. Some of the major changes from the Biden administration right off the bat, hitting with some mixed reviews. Oh, and it doesn't help that he's trying to kill the energy sector, too. That hurts. But there's all these other things that are going on. And right off the bat, man, he's not waiting. When we come back, there's a few things I wanted to get to. I saw Missouri has one of the lowest, the lowest shot totals in the country. So only 4% of Missourians have received their first COVID-19 shot. Jane Duker is online. He is, She is, I mean, not happy with the distribution of this based on preferential treatment for city workers versus frontline workers. So we'll talk a little bit about what I've seen her message online. And man, she is just not letting go on this, which is great. And over in British Columbia, maybe this is something I bring up with our friends in Canada. They are starting to change the terminology in what counts as essential workers. Would if you have an elderly parent in a nursing home, could you be deemed essential? So you have the ability to go see them again and take care of them. So you'd be able to bring them back into the home. This is not a bad idea. I don't see it as a bad idea. But maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Coming up on Overnight America KMOX.
0: Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com
1: I saw this story over on KSDK. And the question is really, how is Missouri doing when it comes to distribution of the vaccine? And apparently the CDC has been compiling data and we're not doing so great. Only 4% of Missourians have received their first COVID-19 vaccine shot. That's the lowest percentage in the United States. Uh, Probably not where you would want to be. According to this data from the CDC, Missouri is behind every state in distribution of the first dose. Only U.S. territories in the Virgin Islands, also Guam, have a lower percentage of population 4.4% of people in Illinois have received their 44 out of 50. So this whole region has really been suffering. Where's the preferential treatment going in all of this? Who are the ones that seem to be the high category of, hey, we got to get that out right now? 53% of distributed doses in the U.S. have been administered. North Dakota and West Virginia have the highest where they're more than 80%. Why is that the case? It's just because there's not as many people living in North Dakota. So the vaccine that they received, maybe it's just because we have these larger uh, metropolitan areas between St. Louis and Kansas City. So it's harder and we just have more people to get it out there. But it's not good. And really, that shouldn't be the case. Um, And are we just not advocating enough to get the doses? And if that's the case, too, what decision making has been put into place in order to decide Who gets it? Who doesn't? Maybe it's just people not feeling comfortable. Even in the city of St. Louis here, I was watching a story from Fox 2. They were talking about how we're getting zero vaccines. Like here's Fox 2 and Elliot Davis did one of the uh, one of the you paid for it.
2: A total of 400 St. Louis City police officers, firefighters, EMS employees and other public safety department workers got their shots today. This despite
0: St. Louis having received no vaccine from the state.
1: No, that's tough. So they're getting vaccines, just they're not getting it from the state. Oh, boy, that can't be good.
2: The 400 doses given out today were donated to the city by Affinia Healthcare. Fire Chief Dennis Jinkerson talks about the urgency. Why is this important, Chief? (laughs) Well, over the last nine months, you know, just looking at the fire department, we've had a tremendous amount of people get COVID or are either and be quarantined, which cost the city a tremendous amount of money. We're trying to get get all the public safety department vaccinated and ready and prepared and be able to handle the rest of the calls and and, and take care of the people in the city. See,
1: this is what I don't understand. We're getting all this federal funding. The city got federal funding. The county got federal funding. They got money, and supposedly this is supposed to help get the people vaccinated. And we're looking at the vaccine that's been out. And I got to understand, it's, what, a month maybe? It hasn't been out all that long. So it's not like... It, it's not like it's been out on the market forever and we're just holding back. It's just not there. And I feel like between the Pfizer Moderna, and then you have a couple of new ones, you have AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson, new ones that I are on the threshold of getting approved. And once those get out there, they're very appealing. I don't know if you want to hold out for one of those, but for me, at least I feel like once the tier gets down to me, if I had an option between one of those, I'll take the one shot in Johnson and Johnson versus the two shots which you have to use for Moderna or Pfizer or it just seems easier, more convenient. And I don't know in the long term if any of them make a difference, if some are better than others effectiveness, I think that will be told later somewhere in the line, but you know, right now I don't know if it matters truly which one you get, as long as you get it. Then again, over in the County, we're finding that more and more people are just waiting for this. However, if you are working for Sam page and you're, someone that's like an administrator and you're someone in city government, that you have an option to get that before frontline workers like police and fire paramedics, which is strange, isn't it? To think that's where the priority would go. So why would, you know, why would a communications director get it before a frontline worker? Why would that priority be put in place? The only reason I asked that is because Jane Duker was asking that very question too, as she should. And I was going down the line and I was looking at this and she points out very quickly, if you're able to work from home, then you don't need it yet. That shot should go to someone that has to go out and work with other people. So uh, Sarah Daly tweeted, so blessed to have just received my COVID-19 vaccine. Know the facts. Keep you, your family and others safe. Hashtag daily life. Jane Duker says, here's a spokesperson. Spokesperson for county government bragging about getting a vaccine. I don't blame the employee. I blame Sam Page. 600 police officers are waiting for vaccines. They were omitted from the schedule until emergency management complained and uh, got them put on. Wow. So what's wrong with it? A spokesperson could write this. um, Cops have to be on the front line. You can write this from home. Okay, this is true. This is all true. It's not about being a like no one's going to look at this and say, oh, I guess the spokesperson for the county got it. Now that motivates me to go get it. No one's going to say that. This is not like Elvis Presley getting the polio vaccine. No one cares that this person got it. No one is going to look at it. Oh, now I I really changed my mind on it. Not at all. You really got to get out there and get the ones that are needing it the most, the, the ones that put themselves into harm's way because they have to and they can't work from home. So please, uh, Jane Duker is exactly right. And I was looking at this too, um, and this is from KSDK. Oh, this is the other one uh, from uh, KMOV. St. Louis County to announce mass vaccination sites this week. So we're just a few days away. So North County, it looks like there's going to be one up there. More detailed locations will be announced midweek. Currently, no plan for drive through sites. I'm all about the drive through Don't even get me out of the car. You know, make it as easy as possible for me. That would be great. Page also announced a new plan Sunday to encourage residents to register for the COVID-19 vaccine. So after crunching the data, pre-registration signups, it shows that zip codes are not all created equal. County spokesperson says very few residents in North County are signing up. That's why they're trying to put some higher priority up there. Well, how about this? When the testing was rolling out and people were trying to get it, you kind of ignored uh, that whole North County area to begin with. That was one of the big criticisms to begin. You said, no, 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 we're going to put the COVID testing in the richer areas, and we're just going skip, to skip the North County areas. Not a great strategy. Uh, and that's why you saw the, uh, distrust continue to grow in some communities when it comes to the coronavirus. There's one other thing I saw, and I might have to bring this up with our friends in Canada. And this is over in the CBC in British Columbia. It says, uh, the uh, nursing care homes deemed essential move to front of vaccine line while others wait and worry. So this is the idea. Um, If if you have someone in a nursing home, we want to get you guys vaccinated. Now, I know there's a lot of frontline workers still waiting to get this thing. But the idea of this is, number one, Uh, It's a pretty terrible tragedy when you're separated and forced to be separated from your family and you can't be with them and you can't be around them in a time like this. And if you do get sick, then they still can't come see you in the hospital because it's too much of a threat. This is terrible. And you're talking about an aging parent. Uh, In some cases, the cognitive decline means they may not understand fully what's going on. And all you can do is show up on the other side of a window and wave to them, you know, like there's some zoo animal. That takes a lot of mental toll, not only on them, but the uh, kids. It's very difficult to see them. Get them vaccinated and make it so you could not only visit, but perhaps even take care of them and get them out of that nursing home because you might be scared of what could happen if they stay in that nursing home. Now, that's what they're saying in British Columbia. said there's no cap on the number of approved essential visitors, but you'll only be allowed uh, for end-of-life care and special exemptions right now. Uh, So why don't you get the vaccine and make it so those exemptions go away so you can actually safely take care of your loved one that's in a nursing home? I really don't see a big problem with that. This is a big difference between a communications director in the county and then someone that wants to be able to uh, be with their parents in their time of need because they're going through this stage of life where you cannot escape death. It's sad. It's part of reality. You want to make it as good as possible for that part. It's very frustrating. I know a lot of people we have gone through this where they just been separated with their loved ones. That's heart wrenching. That's terrible. Just um, shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen at all. You know, one of the nice things is since this is in Canada, we can talk to our friend Shane Hewitt who hosts the shift and he is so good at bringing up these Canadian stories. And I know he wants to talk about the Keystone pipeline, which is a pretty big deal too. And ever since our conversation last week, I didn't realize the Canadians hated the idea of us stopping that, uh, Keystone Pipeline funding so uh, how about we talk to him about that next hour too it's our Sunday checkup at about twelve it'll be right back on KMOX.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too.